Mike, go ahead. You know what I saw on the store today? What'd you see? I saw pumpkin spice frosted flakes. <laughs> what? True story. And, and all I could think was, they're basic. <laughs> I like pumpkin spice. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I mean, it's October. Yeah, pumpkin spices and everything. I saw Pumpkin Spice Toll House, which I, I, I was kind of like, hey, I'd be down for that too. Well, thank you once again for listening to RGCWV, where we talk about all kinds of geek culture. We talk about toys. We talk about video games. We talk about TV shows. So with me tonight is Mike Mallow, as always, as you. my co-host. And then uh, Jason Smith as Hello. our... Uh, what what kind of expert are you on the geek side? Um, film? Uh, I film would, yeah, I would say more film. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When we talk sometimes about gaming, my eyes kind of glass over as I'm looking at pictures around my house going, I need to really clean that. But yeah, I'd say film. That's okay. Yeah. And then also we have uh, Alex McLean. That's right. Uh, I think I would call myself an anime geek more than I would anything else. Like a weeb? So, uh, such a charged word. But yes, yes, I'm a huge weeb. A huge I call weeb myself weeb. a weeb all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Kawaii Desune. Mm. <laughs> uh, Alex, what do you geek out about? Geek out about... Um, Power Rangers. I love the Power Rangers. I like anything Power Rangers. Really? I watched them when I was a kid, and just uh, anytime I see something of that kind, uh, yeah. Just recently, I caught that new live action movie, and you know, it was terrible. But <laughs> as, as, you know, it was terrible. As a Power Rangers geek, nah, I loved every minute of it. E- even if it was terrible, I like it anyway. For me, I always geek out about uh, uh, early 90s, late 80s action figures. Whenever I go to like a vacation spot and I see like a comic and collectible store, I have to stop. Uh, we were in uh, Rehoboth Beach and uh, there was like several different comics shops. Uh, one that was like kind of off to the side. They had all kinds of great comics and stuff. But this uh, other collectible store, they had all like all of the uh, uh, Ninja Turtle figures. I was in there for like an hour and a half, and I didn't even realize what time it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Today, we're going to be talking about a few things. Uh, what are we going to be talking about, guys? Doctor Who! Yeah, have you guys seen the new episode? We, we have. We saw it last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I uh, actually didn't know this, but YouTube TV has BBC America. I was actually <laughs> pretty excited. Um, I am going to tag this as spoilers, so feel free to say whatever you want about the show. All right. So first thing, when you start watching the episode... And, you know, if you've paid attention to the promos, there is three companions, basically, this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so when you start watching the episode, you realize, hey, there's four people along on, on this adventure with, with her. Mm-hmm. And, well, I mean, there was the uh, mom that, yeah. during the adventure. But, uh... 
but but during the episode, you quickly kind of do some quick subtraction and realize that hey, one of these people is not on the promotional material, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wonder what's going to happen to her. Yes, yes. Yeah. In, fact, in fact, me and Mike were making jokes before the end of the episode, going, "Huh, I wonder what's going to happen to the grandmother here." Well, I have a feeling we're going to find out here in a second. So, well, one thing I will say about her is. I've noticed this trend in the like the last several seasons where it seems like the person who's like the most bold and the most brave is always the first person to get killed, mm-hmm. which isn't didn't used to be the message of that, but I guess maybe that is the more realistic message. She's already a great character because she's bro, she's brave, she's bold, and the other three are somewhat scared or somewhat you know um, not sure what they're doing or you know need a lot of character building to be done. So. Actually, they were staying, and this one has is, is fine. It's a strong character, so hence she has to die. And it was just, it was just weird. I thought. And the other thing that it just occurred to me is the title of the episode could be referred to her as well because she she falls at the end, and and you assume it's all about the doctor, but one can make the argument that she is the woman who falls, or how oh. is? Oh, the, I hadn't yeah. considered that. Yeah. Well, that's true because they, they do that fake out at the beginning where you, you think that he's talking to, about the doctor on the YouTube yeah. channel, and it turns yeah. out in the end that it was her. Yeah. So I think that was ob- absolutely intentional. Yeah, huh. and that and that was kind of one of the. It's a a slight Moffat-ish type of uh, misdirect right there, uh, because of course you know she's falling from the sky because you saw the previous episode where she changed of her compaldi changed into her so. I especially appreciated that it's new villains. It's stuff that that's not a rehash of something old, mm-hmm. which of course, and I'm, I'm I'm sure, and I'll be glad to see all of our classic Doctor Who villains come back. But we also need new things, and mm-hmm. and this uh, what was the the hunter? Well, it's it's the predator, right? Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what was his name? I just thought it was like the evil tooth fairy. <laughs> <laughs> the evil tooth fairy is yes. uh, is a, is a totally new guy, and yeah. it's really cool looking. It's really intimidating. It's really yeah. scary. I wish and he had never taken off the mask. He was it, cooler it, with the mask on. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'll be honest. He took the mask off. I was immediately like, okay, first, and I and I be that guy but i was in there going wow he kills a lot of people with good teeth because all the teeth on his face were all (laughs) white with no plaque whatsoever and and i was sitting there going wow okay okay and that it did kind of throw me off and i and and me and marty are watching at the same time and she even gave a look of like ah that's weird because you just you're not expecting that right there The, the teeth all over the face the big thing we actually talked about uh, that we loved about this episode was it was it was very different from the Moffat episode. They're they're great as standalone episodes in the middle of a season. Like one of our favorite episodes of all is the uh, Silence in the Library and the Forest of the Dead. Those are great Moffat episodes from Doctor Who. But it seems like when Moffat got in charge, especially in his later years, got in charge of the whole series. Uh, you can kind of start picking things apart more and figuring out the the plot of the story, the twist that's coming up, or what's going to happen at the end of the season, or know that there's going to be some sort of uh, twist coming up. And it just he he has a very easy or a, a very interesting story structure, but it's also a very easy stru- story structure to figure out to reverse engineer and 
and figure out what's going to happen from that. Exactly. Um, so, so by the time you get into the the second, let's say third season, as a showrunner, you know, yeah. it, it becomes pretty predictable at that point, or and pretty over the top, really, because there's a lot of dumb things that happened in his third season working on it. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of the joke. I remember, uh, like in the in the second season, which would have been Matt Smith's second year as a doctor. Uh, I was just like super psyched, and that's when I actually became a super fan of Doctor Who was during that run. <laughs> I and, stopped watching uh, towards the middle of uh, David Tennant's run. Or uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I stopped. Uh, I, I stopped watching. It was. Wasn't it on Netflix for a while? Yeah. It was. It yeah. Was, yeah. And after it left Netflix, I uh, I didn't pursue it. It's on Amazon Prime. Is that right? Yep, it is. That's yeah. where I was watching. And it's 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 good. But it's funny. I, I, uh, one quick story. Mike, I remember, spoilers if you haven't seen season seven of Doctor Who, but the whole big thing they set up is that the Doctor is going to die. And the reason why he's going to die is there's supposedly a question, a question that can never be answered. And and they set up this whole thing of what is this question? What is this question? And Mike looked at me like a week before and says, it's got to be Doctor Who. And I was like, that's too obvious. And sure enough, that's exactly what yeah. it was because Mike's Mike has figured out the formula. We're not going to dare mention anything about Doctor Who at this point until the very end of the, the literally last line, which I still love the episode. I still enjoy that episode, especially when they do the big reveal. A, the Doctor is alive, and B, the question is actually just still his name, Doctor Who, and and that's the oldest question in the universe is Doctor Who. And so I, you know, I was still on board like crazy. And then Mike's right, the third season, it gets somewhat predictable. And it's not until pretty much the Day of the Doctor episode and the Time of the Doctor episodes that I'm like back on board from off because I'm like, oh, I'm loving these episodes because they're great <laughs> Standalones. Go ahead, Mike. The the thing about him is he's he's good for like short runs, like, and that's why uh, the BBC Sherlock was so good. Yeah, is because exactly. he he could do a three episode arc, but he yeah. once he gets a whole series under his belt, that that gets a little rough. Yeah, I find myself going back and watching season one and two of Sherlock more than any of the other ones because again, you start figuring out everything. Like season three. It you know it's it's not as good as the uh, first two because you kind of start figuring out the formula of Moffat. Here's he a question, uh, Mike. Remember yes. how we were talking about last week how Paul Simon how he put out that uh, album, the yes. uh, greatest yes. hits album, and yes. then put out something new. Doctor Who has been running so long. Is it possible that they're trying not to mess with the formula? Or they're trying not to do anything new. I thought that was the intriguing part about what Moffat had tried to do was early on. It seemed like he was toying with the formula and uh, you know, once I got into the day of the doctor and all that, it seems like they're really teasing. Like you're going to finally find out what his name was, which was, you know, it's been a long mystery since the series began in the sixties. Um, and of course it, it, he, he copped out on it. And I think that was the high point of his tenure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And since then, you know, he, he's tried to do different things, but it, very little what's actually worked out, I think. Your yeah. thoughts, Alex? I've heard Moffat's writing style uh, described as a puzzle box mm-hmm. writing style. 
that you know what it is you want to find inside, but you got to figure out how to get there. And I think the best example of that is um, the Pandorica Opens. You remember that? Yes. They have this horrible artifact, and there's a horrible monster inside. And and they go on. It's a two-part episode. Uh, they go on, and they find out the monster inside is the Doctor. I really got to watch good, more of this show. That was a good episode. And, yeah, and that, that's no. one of my favorite episodes of the show. See, my favorite one, I hate to say, of of, of his show, it's the same season, that shows you how good Moffat was, is the first episode, actually, of when the 11th hour. Because yeah. it literally... And, and that's the interesting part about this episode, is I felt a little bit of them rehashing out the 11th hour, just a hair, because, again... It's it's and that's the same thing happens to Matt Smith's doctor. He gets more or less stranded, not to the extremes that, that the Jody's doctor is, but Matt Smith's doctor gets kind of stranded, doesn't have a sonic screwdriver, and has to save the world, more or less, is what he has to do because there's an alien yeah. and it's him being cool, being slick, and there's a wonderful scene that I love the most about it is at the very end. He defeats the monsters. He stops the aliens who are going to attack the Earth. They are going to fly away, and the Doctor gets pissed and calls them back and scolds them for trying to destroy the Earth, which I love. And then he proceeds to ask him to ask the aliens, is this world protected? Who's supposed to protect this world? And they start showing you images. And, of course, the final image that you know, gets you kind of like, choked up and excited as they run through all the different people who have been the doctor, starting with the first one from the 60s all the way up to David Tennant's doctor. And right then at the end, he walks right through the uh, the image of David Tennant, and it's Matt Smith now in full normal doctor wear with the bow tie and everything, saying, hello, I'm, I'm the doctor. And I just remember watching that going, oh, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. M- Matt Smith is also my favorite because because of all the silliness. And you yeah. know, I often wonder if uh, if Matt Smith has some kind of background in like mime performance or clowning or something. Because yeah. he, he really he, he he's a buffoon, you yeah. know, and he's yeah. really good at that. And uh, and it only further highlights whenever things are serious for him whenever even the clown gets serious yes well it it, it really drives it home you have to build endearment to the character to make the viewer care yep to make the viewer actually care what happens to this person so circling back around to the episode oh yeah sorry we just talked everything but the episode Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you guys think of the new doctor? I loved her. Uh, I did too. She is funny. She's immediately smart and you immediately buy in that she is the doctor. Like the other ones you could probably, even Matt Smith, the whole episode when he is, you know, being the doctor sort of, you're not buying it until that last shot, like I said earlier, where he comes walking through the beam and he's fully dressed as the doctor. But her, as soon as she shows up, as soon as she falls into the train, you immediately buy that A, she's the doctor, and and B, she is a good actor. And and, and that was my big thing with it of like, oh, I'm I'm sold already. Who do you think she was most like? Yeah, I was gonna say she gives me a Matt Smith vibe. Yeah. See, yeah. She gave me a uh, Christopher Eccleston vibe. See, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I almost went with uh, David Tennant because mm-hmm. of her uh, erratic 
nature. Almost, uh, she kind of drifts off, and then she jumps to one thing and another and another. Yeah, yeah. But her I can, delivery, I can see that too. yeah. yeah. But her delivery of her lines reminded me so much of Christopher that yeah. I, I, I'm kind of in between the two, but yeah. uh, you know, I'm leaning had, more towards Christopher. I hadn't thought of this before, but yeah, she does kind of remind me of Christopher Eccleston now that I think of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's clear – I mean we've only seen one episode of this, but it seems like she never really has a plan and just everything is – uh, j- just play it by ear, you know. Yeah. But when she comes up with something, style. Yeah, when she comes up with something, she's very deliberate. Yep. And in Eggleston was like that. He was very, yeah. I'm the doctor. Bow yeah. to me. Yeah. I've got this figured out. Everybody get behind me. His uh style was a little more of an arrogance compared to yeah the, the following doctors. No, but I do see what you're saying. Where it, she Eggleston. Didn't seem that you're right. Eccleston didn't seem to have a huge plan. He just reacted to every one of the stories. Yeah. And even the final one where he's in it, they're like, do you have a plan? And his response is no. And that scares you, doesn't it? And Tennant, same kind of thing. He could figure out everything in a heartbeat. Capaldi, I I don't know. It was high that with him. But yeah, I see what you're talking about. So, so. who was everybody's first doctor? Uh. F- I, I would say Eccleston, but I really didn't start paying attention until Tennant got into it. Mm-hmm. There was one doctor that I was all in on. And after they changed him, I stopped watching. Not until uh, Eccleston came be- uh, came into the show. Then I watched that for a little bit and then stopped with Tennant. Tom Baker. Loved <laughs> the Tom Baker Doctor Who. He was mm-hmm. so good. That's a throwback. Oh, I love that show. And, and that was when it was competing with, uh, well, for me anyway, it was when it was competing with uh, Next Generation. Yeah. yeah. And, in fact, actually, uh, it, uh, the reruns were strong at that point. By the, by the time Next Gen came out, uh, he was actually, uh, I think, one year. He only had one year of, uh, of him, and then they switched it to uh, the Fifth Doctor at that point. Yeah, but uh, but on PBS they rerun exactly. that for <laughs> ever <laughs> ten yeah. years. Yeah, no, they still rerun him every once in a while. Were. Yeah, they even have a, a um, on, even on uh, BBC America they have a morning with Tom Baker and they as a joke they run a do- uh, Tom Baker Doctor Who episode like on a Saturday morning so when you're getting up you can watch Doctor Who like yeah. you did as a kid and stuff. But no, I agree. I see, and Tom Baker's a good one, and, and I've. I've went back and revisited those, and I see the appeal. I can give you both. You want my my favorite new Doctor and my favorite classic Doctor? Sure. Uh, new Doctor, um, Mike brought me on, on board when we watched Blink. That was the, the initiation, if you will, of me into Doctor Who. And I remember just being blown away. Not so much – it wasn't even the Weeping Angels because the Weeping Angels didn't really – I mean, that was a cool villain, and I liked what they oh, did. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, being angels. Yes, oh, but what it gives actually, me the creeps every time I think about it. But what actually like sold me so much so that I was like, "Well, I can't wait to see what happens with this with this story." Was the whole Easter egg DVD portion that there's a conversation that David Tennant's having with a girl, literally forty years apart in time, 
Mm-hmm. Or they're just talking back and forth, and it's because the one guy in the room happened to be writing down everything that they're able to have the conversation. I remember just my mind was blown at that. So, but no, uh, my favorite new doctor though, the afterwards, and it's and it's probably the classic of who you used to watch the first doctor on a weekly basis. And for me, it was Matt Smith. That was my big new who doctor that I loved. I would like to get you guys's opinion, being harder core Doctor Who fans than myself. The bleakness of the episode. I think that's mainly because it was mostly contained to a, a night event. Mm-hmm. And and I think those tend to have a little more bleakness to them if, if you don't have the comedy aspect. And I think they were also to say this is a whole different showrunner. I mean, this is a whole different show. Even the shots and everything looked very different from what you've been used to. In fact, it felt like I was watching, like a instead of a TV show, like a TV movie almost. Because you're like, oh wow, they're out in, in you know, like that one shot of the family just hanging out on top of a mountainside, looking down at the town. Yeah. My my first thought was, why are you practicing riding a bike on top of a mountain like that when you can clearly die easily? And then two, I was like, that is very different. Uh, type of shot for Doctor Who. I've never seen something like that. Well, Usually the, would... um, the effects quality. Yeah. Like when he's down in the valley getting his bike. Mm-hmm. The, uh, what is it? The square, oh, the triangles yeah. that turns in the square. Yeah. You wouldn't see that. And even tenon error. Mm-hmm. It does seem to be, and, and maybe this is a, a first episode sort of thing, it looks like they really hit the budget hard in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The costume design, the set design, all of the effects seem much higher budget than Previous. what we see from Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because they were trying to get past the aspect of this is a female doctor, so they're pulling out all the stops? I, I think they knew regardless of... You know whether people liked it or not. They were going to check out this first episode at least to 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 see what it was going to be like, and and so mm-hmm. they, they knew they're going to have the increased ad re- revenue from that. I, I feel like it was money well spent, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And they're definitely trying to put in, trying to pull in a new audience, mm-hmm. people that were put off from uh, previous seasons and people that just kind of have a hard time getting into this long running show. Yeah. They want to bring in a new audience. So they want to bust the budget on, uh, on, on this new season at the same time. I, I, people that I've talked to about it. Uh, one of the things that I think puts some people off from doctor who is it's corny. Mm-hmm. It's a corny old show that they made into a corny new show. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Maybe and that's one of the reasons why we didn't have too much corniness in that first episode. And for longtime fans, we're all okay with that. The corniness mm-hmm. is sometimes the best part. It's a yeah. show that doesn't take itself seriously. They have these weird rubber monsters every week. And it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's corny as, as heck. And actually, truthfully, I like that's it. one of the reasons why I prefer Dragon Ball to half of the uh, other animes out there because it's action and super goofy. And mm-hmm. nobody is saying this is a serious show. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah. It, it's funny because uh, um, after we got done watching it on Sunday, 
uh, Mike and Tracy left our, our house, and then I looked at Martha, who, by the way, is not a Who fan at all. Uh, she is. This is maybe her third or fourth episode she's ever seen, and the only other episode she's seen beside this was the one Blink from 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 Tenants, and a couple of Capaldi episodes. That is it. And she just and so the joke she looked at me midway through. She goes, well, "Let me get this right." So. They have high special effects, but they and she and this is her feeling like this. She goes, but they choose to be corny still. And I said to her, I was like, "What are you talking about? That wasn't corny." She goes, "There was a huge, looked like blue Hershey kiss in the middle of this forest that, oh, like yeah. some, that someone put the, barely put together, right. and that's the best they can do." And I was like. Well, that's just the formula of the show right there. That You just got to like the fact. She goes, yeah, I, I get it. But you pretty much have, have to, you know, you love the corniness. Of the, you love the bad special effects. And I said to her, I go, well, I actually, think Actually, I can kind of see her point. Because yeah. they were going for a new tone in this yeah. show. And they were almost doing a something that went against the grain. Something that went against the tone that they were trying to present. We can't sell everybody on it. Exactly. Exactly. She's she's a huge Star Trek fan, so I still love her for that. So So, final remarks about the episode. Do we have to do it in one word? No. No. Final remarks, not remark. (laughs) My take on the whole episode, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did find it lacking certain things. And here's the thing. But you start off in the episode, and they slowly start giving you all the things you want. When this episode starts, you don't have the doctor at all. You're pretty much watching this guy trying to ride a bike. Very different from any Star Trek opener, or not Star Trek, but a Doctor Who opener I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of goes into, they run into the alien, all this kind of stuff. And it's not until you get to the train when you, everyone's just kind of sitting there. You're like, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? And bam, the doctor shows up. So you get the doctor. And only do you get the doctor, you get the doctor in spades. She's, you know, witty. She's funny. She's immediately making jokes. She's doing all that kind of stuff. And then, like, you know, another 30 minutes go by, and bam, you finally get the sonic screw, her sonic screwdriver now, which she makes out of spoons, which is hilarious. And it keeps on going where she outsmarts the alien and all that stuff to where they leave you sort of on a cliffhanger of her now looking for her TARDIS. And that's the part I was like, oh, man. Because I, I want to see what the new TARDIS looks like. I want to see what they've done different with the TARDIS and everything. And they purposely, for the for the more um, diehard fans, don't show you that at all. Do you think that the TARDIS is going to be vastly different? Yeah, I do. I think so, too. Given where they finish in that episode, I feel like the TARDIS will have to be nearby. Yeah. I hope so. Or they're going to find a ship. That's gonna it's gonna, or it's going to be a short episode. Oh, well, yeah. It's like, and they're all right, folks, that's the end of the season. Frozen and Dead in Space, that's the title of the episode? What's that mean? <laughs> oh, you thought we were going to get you. <laughs> um, I'm sure the cliffhanger, they're going to, the Heart of Gold, piloted by Zaphod Beeblebrox, is going to uh, is gonna come in and rescue them. <laughs> that's my prediction. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 seriously. <laughs> um, Jodie Whittaker absolutely kills it as the Doctor, and and just the same. Uh, previous previous uh, actors, 
I feel like I haven't been completely sold on how much they are the doctor. I didn't love Matt Smith at first. I came to love him at first. And to be honest, even David Tennant, I, I started with, uh, with, uh, with Eccleston and I didn't believe he was the doctor at first either, but Jodie Whittaker absolutely kills it. She sells me from, from the moment she appeared on screen. This is the new doctor and I'm looking forward to it. I, I will mirror that. I, I think she was strong from the get go. Um, the episode itself uh, feels incomplete because you don't have the TARDIS aspect in there yet. Yeah. yeah. But but I like what they did because it keeps me wanting to come back and watch yeah. the next episode. So I'm I'm here for it. Cool. So remember how I said last week that I wanted to do a segment every week about a bit of geek trivia. I came up with one for this week for this episode. Which doctor was in more episodes than any other doctor? Uh, it's got to be the fourth doctor because he's got the longest run. That was going to be my guess as well. Tom Baker. Sorry, go Alex, ahead. you want to try? I, you know, I really wouldn't know, but I would strongly guess that it would be a classic doctor because it was a different show back then. The source I'm looking at? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it breaks it down. So the old doctors was Tom Baker, and the new doctors is Dave Tennant. Okay. So also, I want to mention from last week we had a question: heroes that were both DC and Marvel. Right. The gentleman that sent me that question, Larry Lawrence, he uh, messaged me this week, and he was uh, a little angry with me. <laughs> And the reason why he was angry was there was a reason why he wanted us to ask that question. Because it was a Venom episode. Uh, we didn't God. list Amen. Tom Thanks Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. We yeah. had a bait and Venom. Oh, man. That's See, I was thinking it, but I was like, oh, well, I don't have to mention it because... No. We should have mentioned it. <laughs> so, it's too funny. I apologize, Larry, to uh, <laughs> our, our one and only fan. So, so we... just just to clarify, um, what Marvel thing was he in? Or no, uh, DC Comics thing. He was Bane. Bane, Dark Knight Rises. There you go. Uh, before Mike checks out mentally. Uh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give us a uh, quick little foot oh yes little foot actually it's small foot but oh, yeah. i i got that mixed up quite a bit as well oh um, i'm thinking of uh land before time my daughter went on a class field trip to the movie theater and that was the movie we saw last week instead of venom and <laughs> um it was uh surprisingly good like i i saw the promotional materials for it and i i just thought well it's like Tra hotel transylvania but on the mountain but i like that that was a good movie. Yeah, but it, are you it, saying that Hotel Transylvania is not wonderful? No, I like the first one. I, I did not like the third one though. Oh, really? I didn't see the third one. I yeah, didn't see. The... We, we saw it at the drive-in. Um, I like the but, second uh, one. But uh, I, I I liked Hotel Transylvania, but I thought I didn't really want a retread that was Yeti-based. You want to know one of the reasons why Hotel Transylvania is so good? It's why? directed by Jetty Kartakovsky. The same yeah. guy that directs Dexter's Laboratory. And Samurai Jack. Mm. And Samurai Jack, yeah. Which artistically, I think, is a better 
Or you can say <laughs> the original Star Wars Clone Wars from 2003. But go ahead, sir. Uh, well, that, yeah. well, that's true, too. Yeah. yeah. But but it, uh, Smallfoot was good. Um, it, it, it was its own movie, and it, um, it has some surprising messages about uh, not just believing something because that's what you were told, actually going out and discovering the truth for yourself. Oh. Which was it was a message I did not expect to see in this movie, mm-hmm. and, and, and it played it up pretty hard. And uh, the 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 voice cast was good. There was musical numbers in it, which I did not expect. Really. And uh, yeah, and. Uh, uh, Common, the R&B artist, uh, does um, the voice of the chief. And after a couple songs, now I thought, oh, they're gonna do like a like a rap, like Hamiltonian style, like number explaining what his motivations are. And sure enough, they did, and it was pretty. <laughs> it, was, it was the best number in the movie. No, well, but that's whole, worth the it. Thing, then. It was it was surprisingly good. I, I was surprised. I, I wasn't going in expecting to enjoy it, but I really did. Those are the best kids' movies, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ones that yeah. you think you're going to have to check out mentally. Mm-hmm. The, the, the kids enjoy the slapstick and you enjoy the, the underlying message that was put there just for you. If a movie is really good, it can be enjoyed by people of all ages. And I think a lot of the, the Disney Pixar movies are good with that. That mm-hmm. Sure, it's for kids, but anybody can watch and enjoy this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. wasn't quite on the Pixar level, but it was it was upper tier of, of what you... It was better than any any you know, Minions movie or just was it a uh, Zootopia <laughs> quality? It was a Zootopia level. Okay. Uh, far, really? Wow. In, in, in terms of the way the story is told, I mean, visual quality wise, I like the one thing I did hate was the I don't like the visual style of of the uh, Yetis. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were kind of ridiculous, and that was what kind of turned me off to it in the marketing materials because just looking at them, they look stupid. And we watched Bolt the other day, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'd rather watch Pixar." Let's yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, let's, let's put Pixar on, please. That was back in Disney's early days of uh, CGI, and they hadn't quite hit their stride yet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah. oh, that's because they still had one toe in the animation. Yes. In the actual handron. And yes. I don't, I don't know what they did, but the, you know, Tangled was where they really broke out of that, and. They they must have upgraded their equipment or something because the budget for that was like two hundred and ninety million or something something yeah. ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah, that no other CGI movie has ever come close to being. So well, I they think had that, to go go for broke. Yeah, well, yeah, I think they had to go into the upgrading all the software and everything. Yeah, because the quality got a lot better at that point too. And then we get uh, Frozen. Yeah, yep. they let it go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I had no, to that's good. Pocket. But yeah. th- but they they've been on fire ever since that and yeah, yeah good for them. So we did we finish a little. Fun? I, I I guess yeah we did. Okay okay. <laughs> oh you know what actually on I, the geek scale what would you rate this movie on? We're, we're talking about Smallfoot again. Yes. Uh, on the geek scale, uh, probably a five. Can you can you convert that to uh, letters? Um, F I V E. <laughs> okay, we'll stay with that. We'll stay with that. <laughs> that is totally staying in the episode. Uh-huh. Totally going as it should. Yeah, that's a good one. Stick with that. That's no no other justification needed. Yeah, that's good yeah. enough. Speaking of CGI, and since we're on the topic of Disney, 
Did you guys see the news of the next um, uh, added adaptation movie that's coming out? Yeah, I just saw the poster just as we were talking, actually. Yeah. Is this Aladdin? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did not see the poster, nor my word. I'm super worried. Yeah, this tell me a, about this. I, I just a, saw the... What, yeah. what is it? it well, it's a uh, live-action retelling of Aladdin, and I am not excited at all. Yeah, because isn't the genie Will Smith? The yeah. genie is Will Smith! I yes. mean, okay. See, I like weird. I like, Will, I like Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, exactly. That's me too. But I don't see I, him being a genie. <laughs> uh, truthfully, and I know that he's uh, kind of a pariah right now. But you know who I'd like to see as the genie? Uh, T.J. T. Um, oh. T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I, okay. I just and I hate to be. Let me interject I, I, one more. What about Aziz? Aziz and sorry. Yeah, I could see him being a genie, and I'd be fine with that, actually. Isn't he a prior right now, too, though? Is he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, no, nobody can follow up Robin Williams. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, nobody that's is the... ever going to be Robin Williams. And that's if, if they did actually introduce T.J. Miller, I think I would still be in the same place. You're absolutely right, Alex. But I, I'll tell you, I don't think I fully object to Will Smith being the genie. Mm. I've, he's he's got a great voice. He's got a great personality. I don't know. I think I'm okay with that. I, I tend to never question casting decisions because I, I, I can't see what they see at, at that mm-hmm. period of time. So I always trust them until I see the finished product and I don't have a reason not to trust them. I used to have more of a harsh judgment on casting until Heath Ledger. That's what yes. I was going to say. Yeah. Yes. it's a good point. When you watch The Dark Knight Rises, regardless of who you are, you are locked in. I, uh, My dad, who hates all those kind of things, I put on The Dark Knight and did not tell him it was a Batman movie. And because if you remember, that movie starts off all Joker. Yeah. And yeah. he didn't realize this was actually Batman, even with the whole Joker part popping up and all that stuff, until Batman showed up. And he looked at me going... This is a Batman movie. And I go, yeah, it's, it's Batman, and then he Whatever still stuck it out. Whatever doesn't kill you makes yeah. you stranger. <laughs> that's a movie that no matter when it comes on, you will you will always you watch will. it all the way to the end. Yep, yep. You know, I, let's start with a magic trick. <laughs> no. That's oh. that particular scene. It's, so it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> I, I watched that movie with my dad too, and oh. uh, as soon as the Joker came on the screen, I remember him saying, "Oh, I remember this guy," which he's talking about like the '60s bat. It was '60s, right, or was it '70s? The '60s, '60s, yeah, 60s, the, 60s. the old Batman, and you know, he said, "Oh, I remember this guy, Bat or uh, the Joker. Yeah, he used to be a clown, and he had he played with balloons and stuff." And then he says, "Watch as I." disappear this this, this pin well pow and he slams it into his eyeball he's like what the hell and yeah my dad's reaction like oh shit this is a different batman yeah yeah and that's the thing good old christopher nolan that is my biggest problem with vc's extended universe they should have just kept their movies going off of Christopher Nolan's movies and just more or less continue. Even if they recast Batman, they still 
uh, you know, they still refer back to those events or do whatever they can. And they make totally that could have too. They yeah, left it so open. So much Would love it. Yep. And 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 I honest and I know that the argument would be, well, how do you how do you change the ending of the Dark Knight Rises? Because at the end, pretty much, he fakes his own death and, and retires, and, and Robin takes over all this kind of stuff. And, and my answer is simple: kill Robin or kill that Robin or however you want to. No, there's say a it. there's a really good segue for that. Yeah, What's the that? Titans, the Titan story. Exactly. You could do the Titans, whichever. Oh, God. Have you guys seen the new stills from? Oh, my God. So I go to a lot of cosplay events, and I got to tell you, from what I'm seeing from these production stills, if I were to see those cosplays, (laughs) those costumes at a cosplay convention, I would would make fun of them. Okay. (laughs) That's bad. Like, yeah, that's bad cosplay. Do you guys see his uh, icon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a wizard. You guys know that? I'm a part-time <laughs> wizard. I hope you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if I were to see those costumes at a cosplay convention, I would probably have a laugh at them. I can't believe how, how bad they look. And the, the, he- the heck of it is, I really want DC to do good things. Exactly. Because Teen Titans could be DC's Avengers. Yeah. To our listeners... If uh, you enjoy listening to us, ask us any questions. You can go ahead and send those to randomwvgeek at gmail.com. Again, that's randomwvgeek at gmail.com. You can also send us a text to 304-566-9777. Again, that's 304-566-9777. Wait, do you have a West Virginia number now? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the end, everybody. Welcome to the end. Welcome to the end. Welcome to the end. Oh, that's the one we're going to use.